0: Dog Sports, but we came here to win the most legit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So, trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and i to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo Leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk, pal. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat, cause we start this show like right now.
1: Welcome to The Underdog, episode 39, well, episode 2, but we're going to continue on from our Deepish Thoughts podcast. I'm Chris Horwadel. He's Anshu Kana. Anshu, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, Chris. How's it going? I'm refreshed. It's been a while.
1: I'm not refreshed. I'm not refreshed at all. <laughs>
0: yeah, you have good reason to feel that way.
1: Uh, 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 but the new website is up, and this is, uh, this is I guess, this is the first week that we've been doing this show with the new website up. We did tape last week. But uh, it wasn't quite ready. I'm very happy with how things turned out, and I hope you listeners are as well.
0: Yeah, looks great. looks very sharp, if I do say so myself, complimenting you because I had <laughs> nothing to do with it. But very impressively done, and uh, hopefully everyone likes it.
1: Hopefully, hopefully. The, the response has been pretty positive so far, and uh, we are... We're now into the National Football League season. We had did, we previewed the AFC East, and really that is football's most important conference. So I feel like by <laughs> doing that, we got as much done as we, uh, we needed. Yep, I
0: think so. I think you pretty much can glean exactly what we expected across the league based on that.
1: <laughs> the New York Football Jets.
0: Ugh. Bad good. as expected.
1: So let's just talk real quick about the... Your team, the Green Bay Packers versus uh, the Seattle Seahawks this week. Big game for the Packers. What did you take away from it?
0: Well, oh, man. I mean, it's hard to say because Dom Capers kind of has Russell Wilson's number over the last few years. If you think about it, granted, they've lost some pretty tough games, as we all recall, but um, generally speaking, Russell Wilson's worst numbers, his least efficient games, have all come against the Packers. I mean, his average uh pass rating is right around sixty in mm. six career games, which is a pretty significant sample size against Dom Caper's defenses. So um and a lot of those have been very big games. Uh, and particularly in Lambeau Field, he's just had problems. So I don't know what it is about what the Packers do. Um, but they've they've kinda had his number and they looked really, really uh alive on defense last week. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to being dead, I guess. But they you know, this is a team that Whose fatal flaw has always been everything but Aaron Rodgers, particularly on that side of the ball, and uh, they were flying around. Nick Perry looked good. Clay Matthews looked like he had reclaimed some of his youth, and yeah. Mike Daniels was one of the best underrated players in the league. Never made it Pro Bowl for some reason, um, and uh, yeah, I think I think that it was a promising start. Uh, the offense definitely looked like it was very in very rusty early season mode, but Seattle looks good, so. Defensively, so uh, I was pretty happy with. Obviously, can't be upset with the win.
1: Interesting story that we're going to be following well throughout this podcast for sure. The the Cleveland Indians going for win number twenty, currently up one to nothing on the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, uh, this this is absolutely this is crazy. Um,
0: but it's unreal. But Dan Bowers, Cleveland Indians. We'll Damn,
1: I've never heard of that guy. although Uh,
0: if he were on he'd want us to roast him as he said and via textually based message earlier
1: let's talk football and let's talk about this thursday night game as we uh, as we keep an eye on this cleveland game uh thursday night kansas city chiefs new england patriots boy oh boy did i not see this coming
0: no me either i uh in my wallet slash bank account says the same um I mean, it's just impossible to believe that the Patriots would fold over like that at home, you know, in the celebration of their championship. They bring Gronk back. You know they looked like they were primed for potentially an undefeated. We talked about them maybe being undefeated last week. I mean, mm. we didn't. You neither of us said that we thought they'd be, but it's a conversation to be had at least at the beginning of the year. Obviously, losing Edelman hurts that hurt that chance. Now they lose Amendola at least for last week, probably or possibly this week with the concussion. Um, they still look really good, but man, did Tom Brady look old to you? Do you think Tom Brady looked old?
1: he He did not look like classic Tom Brady, you know may i I mentioned during the game that last week uh, last season he had that four game little break to start the season, and he came in super refreshed. Mm-hmm.
0: i don't I don't Correct. know
1: if this is age catching up to him a little bit, but you know this under fifty percent of his passes were completed. He was missing guys that I've never seen him miss before throwing high, which to me suggests that he's not confident with his arm strength at this point. He's overthrowing stuff mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, he did not look like classic Tom Brady, but it was only one week.
0: Well, I, I agree. Um, one thing I want to bring up about this team, and, and it is kind of revisionist, but do you think that somewhat of the way they're comprised doesn't best suit Brady's strengths? And what I mean is, is hmm. by that is Brandon Cook's deep flyer, you know, maybe yeah. may the best deep threat in football. This guy, I mean, if there's one failure, one – crack in the armor for for Tom Brady it is the lack of that deep ball accuracy and strength at this stage of his career yeah you know he's not talking to Randy Moss and you know the big spending was done at least the big investment was made on Gilmore and then you know on Brandon Cooks and now he loses his security blanket in in Edelman Gronk did not look 100% last week it looked like he banged up his chest in the Mm -hmm. middle of the game um, and he's just perpetually hurt. Do you think at all? And then Gillis Lee is not really like your short yardage back, right? Like your, your yeah. short catch, your receiving back. At least he's, he's, he's a grinder. Um, do you think that what they did and far be it for me to question the Patriots personnel mm-hmm. decisions, but do you think that maybe they could have gone a different direction a little bit with what they did? Or, or do you think that was by design? Do you think they picked the best deep thread guy in cooks because they wanted to try to bring that out of Brady as best they could at this stage of his career? Or do you think it's just all one week and I'm overreacting?
1: Uh, Yes. To a lot of the things you're saying. Uh, I don't, I do not think that they brought in Braden cooks, Brandon cooks to, to like sort of coax Tom Brady into throwing the ball deep more frequently because that has never been his thing. I think Cooks is brought in to open up an offense. Like the value of a guy who can take the the top off a defense is incredibly valuable. And I think it was also just, he was the best guy who was available. Would they have loved to get, you know, would they have loved to get an all Sean Jeffrey? Yeah. All Sean Jeffrey would have been sensational in that Patriots offense, but that wasn't something that they had the means to do. This was, they needed to bring in somebody via free uh, via the trade And I also, obviously, losing Edelman is an incredibly underrated thing. People don't realize how vital that guy is to that offense. People think, oh, they still have Danny Amendola, and they're basically the same guy, only they're not. They're just both white receivers. (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's a a weird team, though. It's weirdly comprised right now for a 40-year-old quarterback. I mean, they're never going to go to Garoppolo, but you almost wonder – you know, would this is this team better suited with Garoppolo at quarterback?
0: Yeah, I I definitely won't go that far just yet. But Garoppolo has looked very good. I think the fact that they dealt Brissette just speaks to the speaks volumes about what they think about Garoppolo
2: uh-huh. and
0: probably what they think about Brady. Frankly, yeah, I so agree. I, I, I mean, I think that uh, I, it's all again. I don't want to go too far. I don't want to overreact too much. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there was stuff there that raises your eyebrows a little bit. And I think that, you know, again, watching it not work brings out the weaknesses in the roster. So, yeah. you know, I,
1: th- the defense too, the, I couldn't believe the defense gave up 42 points
0: to Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith got what he wanted all day and, and credit to Andy Reed, your boy for putting together a really creative game plan that utilized everybody. I mean, utilize and, and you know they lose um Spencer Ware midway through the preseason so they didn't know they were mm-hmm. going to be focusing in on Kareem Hunt and Chikandrick West and you know some of these guys but they pivoted well it suited them well because I think that you know the burst of Kareem Hunt is something that Ware just simply doesn't have in his game and um you know I I think that Tyree Kill's usage is the best Indicator of how good Andy Reid was this game, how good mm. Alan Smith was this game, but also you're right, it brought out some of the weaknesses in in Bill Belichick's game plan, some of the flaws in it, because you know historically and um, you know it's it's well known that he always tries to shut down Travis Kelsey when they play them, and you know I, I thought that that wasn't the right way to go here. I mean, clearly they the Chiefs took what they were given but then they also weren't planning on riding Kelsey in this game clearly they were they were planning on doing some unique things and they get a big huge road win to start off the season i mean i think when you look at, back at this you know this year and you think about games that kind of tilt the the standings i think mm-hmm. this is one that we'll look back at at the end of the year for sure
1: yeah, unbelievable way to start the season. This I thought last year with the, the Panthers and the Broncos was fun, but oh man, this really just set the tone for an entire season of NFL action that anything can happen. Like on any given day, some guy, <clears throat> some rookie mid-round draft pick can fumble on his first carry and go on to break the NFL record for most yards from scrimmage in a single game.
0: Yeah, that I mean, that was just really cool. That reminded me of Ryan Grant for the Packers in the playoffs against the Seahawks one year when he fumbles his first two carries, I think, or two mm. his first three, and then ends up rushing for two hundred sub odd yards and two touchdowns and is the hero for them to move on. Um, but you know, I think that that's those are those are the cool things that you want to see. And it's funny because they made a big deal out of it on the broadcast, but Kareem Hunt never fumbled at Toledo, yeah, like, ever. So it was it was kind of. Um, it was out of his character. So it was, it was good to see him get back to it. And right now, Kareem Hunt looks, again, one-game sample. But, man, he looks perfect and ideally suited for that Andy Reid offense.
1: Yeah, and has there ever been a group of wide receivers who collectively was uh, as fast as this group is? This The speed is incredible with Tyreek Hill, Chris Con- uh, Conley, and Albert Wilson. I think Wilson's the slow one, and he's a four four one guy.
0: Yeah, it's and I mean the they complement each other well though too because Conley's a big dude, isn't he? I mean,
1: I don't think so. Oh, well, yeah, he actually is a lot bigger than I thought he was. Yeah, he, you're yeah. like right. five. I had him more in the six foot range. So
0: no, he was like a freakish spark tester because he was the size and the speed at the combine. And oh man, I, I historically an underachiever, Chris Conley at Georgia, but you know he's talented super super you know athletic if nothing else and uh yeah like i think that they're they've got some pieces there and they've got the right play caller and i think that they've got the right quarterback as far as accuracy goes for sure so it's going to be interesting to see if they if those guys can maximize the the talented pieces or at least the athletic pieces that they have Tyreek Kill certainly looks like just the absolute perfect fit for them, and you know mm. you just hope that he doesn't keep getting nicked up like he was late in that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, one week. Let's not overreact. These where there is going to be a degree of regression to the mean. The guys are who the guys are, but let's say we're five more weeks in. The Chiefs are you know four and one, five and zero, oh, that kind of area. Alex Smith is still playing like this. How early is too early to talk about trading Pat Mahomes?
0: Oh. It's too early. So of course it
1: is, but I mean we we talked about last week that you know, a, a team that goes ten and six, eleven and five and makes the playoffs is not going to change quarterbacks.
0: I mean, didn't what was what were the what's it Breeze and then Rivers? I'm trying to remember. There was it was Breeze and then Rivers. Breeze coming off a really good year for the Chargers, right?
1: With then, but with issues about his shoulder and having drafted Phillip Rivers in the first round.
0: Yep. Yeah, well, this is this is kind of the case. Not not the issues with the shoulders shoulder for Alex Smith, but who knows? Maybe late in the year that back crops up. Obviously, Alex Smith much older, and this would be. I think Alex, I mean Alex Smith knows, right? Wasn't he consulted on the Patrick Mahomes decision?
1: I don't know, but he threw for three hundred and sixty-eight yards and four touchdowns this week. He's not going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon.
0: He looks great. But let's look at, I mean, the sample of one versus the other is pretty uh, pretty stark. So I think we kind of know who Alex Smith is. It'd be great if he were able to turn his career around into this explosive vessel. <laughs> one thing I'll just say, since it's the first week, it, there is some, some value in, in wondering, you know, maybe with this guy breathing down his neck, you know, Alex Smith is saying, you know, F it. I'm 33 or whatever. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to start taking more chances at this point in my career because I just have to, you know. And now this is year, what, three with Andy Reid? Mm-hmm. I think it's year three. So, he, you know, he shouldn't – maybe there's a level of comfort there. There's a level of comfort with the athleticism at receiver that we were talking about. Maybe the offensive line is, a, is quite a bit better than it's been, you know, since he's arrived in Kansas City. Yeah. And, uh, you know, playing at home – or actually, this was on the road. I I don't know. I mean, I hope he keeps playing like this because it was a a fun Alex Smith version to watch.
1: Well, this is one of the really underrated things that people don't talk about when looking at quarterback play, and that's consistency within a system. And, unfortunately, it's kind of a snowball effect for those bad teams because bad teams churn through coordinators and churn through playbooks and offensive schemes – and you never get that degree of comfort with a quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that if he was drafted by the Patriots, Blake Bortles would be Tom Brady, but, you know, you can look at a guy like Blake Bortles, a guy like Blaine Gabbert, as people who... Gabbert had, like... He had more coordinators than years in the league at one point, I believe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jay Cutler famously had, like, six coordinators in six years between Denver and Chicago. Part yeah. of that's because of But, uh, you know, I... I think it's a great point. I That's why I, I really hesitate with saying, I love this guy, I hate that guy, mm-hmm. until you see this team fit. You know, like, T.J. Watt goes absolutely berserk. With looks just perfectly suited for that 3-4 defense. But, you know, if he's in Carolina or, I don't know, somewhere else where he's not able to, to rush the edge and, and do the things that optimize his value, you know, then he's... You, maybe we're talking about a bus, right? Like a, a guy that was drafted just on his name alone. And and I think that that's so important and especially, especially a quarterback. So um, I think your point's well taken. I, I always hesitate to, to make a statement on a quarterback unless, unless that quarterback kind of bucks the trend, right? Like yeah. had been good, despite like in a, in a place where Blaine Gabbard had failed, where Chad Henney had failed, where a bunch of other quarterbacks with talent had failed, then you almost have to go above and beyond and say, this guy would have been good anywhere without question. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you have to kind of give some partial credit to the coach. I think like, like Aaron Rodgers, let's say, you know, I, I think that a lot of people say credit, you know, say he would have been great anywhere. And I think that he probably would have been pretty good anywhere, but let's not forget he, he was expected to be taken with the pick that Alex Smith went to San Francisco and, Alex Smith's offensive coordinator was Mike McCarthy there in San Francisco. So there is a decent chance that that's where he would have landed. And I think there's also a decent chance that he would have not been what he's become because he didn't have the chip on his shoulder because he didn't get years behind Brett Favre. And I think that those are those, all those mitigating circumstances are important to take into account when you look at a quarterback slash coach slash organizational fit.
1: For sure. No question about that. There are so many factors at play, and it is very short-sighted to talk about. You know, it's very short-sighted to be reactionary. I guess is what I'm saying. And uh, you know, like, a, and in saying that, you know, Tom Brady's career is clearly over. <laughs>
0: uh, the thing, though, I'm just gonna say this about Brady. he, could, yeah. he It could fall off the shelf any day, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it, it, like, it could just be done for him I mean remember I remember doing a show with you a couple years ago when it looked like he was just done though I mean he was awful and you know and it was I think it actually was it a Thursday night against the Chiefs when I think it was a Thursday night against the Chiefs and uh, Belichick responds he gets asked if Garoppolo would start he goes we're on to Cincinnati we're on to Cincinnati wasn't that Mm. the game I think that's right and I think we were all just we just assumed he was done and then, of course, he turns the whole season around. He, oh, I don't, he didn't win MVP, but he was basically just unstoppable the last eight or so weeks. And uh, you know, he's Brady, so I, I know it's I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say that he's done. But it, look, father time again, undefeated, and I think that like there's a chance that at some point, there's a non-zero chance that he could just be done one of these days when it looks like he's, his arm is shot or
1: whatever. I agree. I could not agree with you more. You're talking about a 40 year old. There's yeah. a reason that's not. There's not a for, lot of 40 year olds playing in the National Football League right now. Exactly. And this exactly. guy is a machine, and all of that. But parts break down, even in machines. Yeah, So, you're right.
0: Forget yeah. he also tore his knee up. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy with a reconstructed
1: knee too. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, Alright, well, let's talk uh, Talking about Father Time, on Shukana. Father Time has officially caught up To Josh McCown <laughs> Josh McCown got the start For the New York Football Jets Against the Buffalo Bills this week And, oh god, this Jets team Is going to be horrible Worse than we thought, potentially
0: Uh, I don't know about that We were talking about them being One of the worst teams we've ever seen but... <laughs>
1: That's
2: true
0: it was ugly. Um, I still think that defense is okay, not good, not not even average, probably. But I think that there are somewhat talented pieces on it. It's obviously less now that they traded Sheldon Richardson. But again, I think that they've got enough to squeak out a few games against a team that's decidedly average or mediocre, or below sorry, below average. Mm. This Bills team came to play last week a little bit, so they are a below-average team, but they weren't below-average enough on that day to, to keep it close with the Jets. But uh, you know, like yeah, Josh McCown's been caught up to by father time, but he he also has just nothing around him. Those running backs are okay, as we said, but I don't receivers... know if
1: they are. You're higher on those guys than I am. But Bel- you're talking Pal is their number one running back. Matt Forte is like. He may very well be done I know it's only one week, but he looked terrible. He looked Adrian Peterson bad. <laughs>
0: hey, Adrian Peterson looked good on that one run. Oh. I have to be honest, I did not watch any of this game, and I had absolutely no desire to. Well, yeah, so, why would you? I just saw the final score and looked at the stat lines, and it didn't look overly impressive on either side. Um, and I, I think there are going to be many more weeks than not where we're talking about the Bills in the same breath as the Jets. So yeah, I, I would be quick to I think we did you did the right thing by leading with how bad the Jets are, than to say that the Bills had somehow earned the respect of anybody for for winning that game. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know this is this is Week One. Where every week we're not going to go go through and talk about your inconsequential NFL games, but we find ourselves. Following week one of the season, we might as well talk football, right?
0: Sure. There's a magnifying glass on every game right now. Absolutely.
1: <sighs> Everyone setting the tone for their seasons, and uh, the tone for the Chicago Bears and specifically Kevin White's season is, is not good. White hurt again on the IR for the third time in his three-year career, and the Bears lose seventeen to twenty-three to the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Yeah. Bears, I, you know, I actually watched a decent chunk of this. The Bears look okay defensively. Like, I think that they would have – I would have put them not quite – in probably right around the Bills class, like above the Jets mm-hmm. a little bit. But, you know, they looked okay. And, frankly, Mike Lennon played pretty decent. Like, I, I think that – I know that's not a super ringing endorsement. He but, was fine.
1: He was fine. Yeah, he,
0: he was fine. He is fine. He – you know, at the end of the game they have a chance to beat the Falcons late there and they're down at within the inside the ten yard line going to score and um and they just drop a bunch of passes. I mean Glennon was on the money there late, they choke it a couple times and um you know, again they lose Kevin White during the game. So, you know, now your your plan changes quite a bit, I think. And um out of the ether comes Tariq Cohen <sighs> from North Carolina A and B? I think. Is yeah. It, uh, and he just – he looked great. They they targeted him a bunch because of the fact that they just had nobody else to toss to with no Cameron Meredith, with no Kevin White. They cut Victor Cruz in the preseason. Um, you know, they, they've got really nothing around Mike Lennon either. And um, I thought they did pretty well given what they had. And, uh, you know, they come up just short. I wonder – I mean, it's – tough. I don't know about the Falcons lap poorly against at the Bears because the Bears look pretty crappy. I mean, talent wise, but their defense played well enough. And you know, they—they, they, I would say the Bears probably should have won this game. Honestly.
1: Wow, uh, that yep. that is a big statement for a team where a five-six rookie from a tiny school was their leading rusher and receiver. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm telling you, like they—they they played with a lot of fire. I was impressed with them, and uh, you know, very underwhelmed with the Falcons. I. I I just don't see how you don't get up for week one. And it, it that's kind of what it felt like. I mean, most out-targeted Julio Jones, so it was clear that John Fox had his team locked in on Julio. But hmm. that's a tough look for the Falcons. I expect them to be much more up for next week's home opener against the Packers on Sunday night. But I think that, that this is a, it was a tough look for a Falcons team that I would think would want to silence a lot of people after their the 28-3 thing last year.
1: Right. And this uh you know 21 to for uh, 30 uh 21 30 for 321 and a touchdown from Matt Ryan. And that's really elevated by the incredibly unathletic 88-yard touchdown reception by Austin Hooper.
0: Yeah. And another I think he had another 40-yard game late in the game. Yep. I mean, I'm telling you, like it it looked like the Falcons were the worst team and they were the ones like needing the relying on the big fluky play to win like it, it really did feel that way i thought that the bears handled the game they controlled it they they looked sharper they looked more into the game and i know that that happens with home road teams but boy it was it was underwhelming on the Falcons' side and again one week i expect the falcons to be backed up for next week but i was impressed i was impressed with how john fox was able to rally his team it doesn't get any easier for the bears but pretty impressive work for uh, for a for a, a subpar let's say roster
1: All right, moving on to uh more less than exciting football the baltimore ravens beat the Bengals 20 to nothing joe flacco goes for 121 while gunslinger andy dalton goes for 174 picks and a fumble and uh and oh. under uh underappreciated rookie running back joe mixon goes off for nine yards on eight carries
0: uh, yeah, I I I did not get to catch much of this one, but from what I could tell, uh, it looks like the Ravens' defense is quite good because they go on the road and do that to Cincinnati. I I was sure Cincy would would win this game. Um, I think that they, you know, Andy Dalton has so many options now on offense. I think mean, you almost have to chalk this up to just like one fluky game. They just have too many weapons to be this bad, don't they? Like I, I really I was high on the Bengals coming into this year.
1: And, you know, you forget to forget to mention that the Ravens actually lost a big piece of their offense in Danny Woodhead this uh, for four to six weeks with a hamstring injury. It, you know, it's, this is a very, like, good and bad kind of win for the Ravens, much like the Chiefs. All of that impressive play, but, you know, you lose Eric Berry for the season to a torn Achilles. That's, you know, heartbreaking, especially considering what he's gone through. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, but yes, this was a very, very surprising outcome for me. I... Didn't think the Ravens were going to be all that good this year. I thought, uh, you know, 7-9, and 8-8-ish. Eight and eight-ish. and yep. uh, they looked a heck of a lot better than the Bengals during Week 1.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and again, this was a team that didn't really even play together. An offense that barely played together in the preseason. Joe Flacco banged up the entire time. Woodhead obviously was as well. Um, you know, I, I did not see this coming at all, so credit to them. I mean, and it's a team with a lot of new pieces on offense, right? With Wallace and Macklin and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a disjointed roster. I'm speaking offensively, but you know, it's a testament to that coaching staff that they were able to rally together. And I would expect bigger days for Joe Flacco in the future as well, because they've got, they've got more talent on the perimeter and in the backfield, I think, than they've had in some time. I like Buck Allen a lot. He came in and Filled in pretty admirably for uh, for Danny Woodhead, so I would expect more of that. Um, I'm more of a reliance on that run game as, as Flacco gets his legs under him and gets that rapport down with those two guys outside.
1: Well, good luck to the Baltimore Ravens. They're certainly going to need it next week against the powerhouse oh Cleveland Browns. Uh, no. The Browns, however, gave up their first game, 18-21, to in a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is... Oh man, this was young players doing young things and costing a team a game, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I. Well, I'm I sure you. You,
1: have, you caught the whole game, right?
0: I did catch quite a bit of it. Actually, I was impressed with Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, this guy looks the part, doesn't he? Like not just stature wise, but he, I thought it, yes, he did make some some dumb mistakes for a young mm-hmm. player. But I thought that. Man, he he absolutely did not look like the game was too big for him. Again, credit to the coaching staff. Credit to Hugh Jackson, who is, you know, the quarterback whisperer, basically. Yeah. Um, But, I, I, man, I I thought that they looked pretty good. I thought they were right there. They hung right there. They did an amazing job of shutting down Le'Veon Bell. Like, I just did not see that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, And, again, there's a team that didn't have Miles Garrett out there. So, maybe the most talented player on the roster, this side of Joe Thomas. I think that that gives you, I think it gives Browns fans hope that they probably haven't had in some time.
1: Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that uh, the only player to register a sack for the Cleveland Browns was the man filling in for Miles Garrett, uh, Carl Nassib. Yeah, Kaiser, so Kaiser's funny because, you know, obviously we've talked at length about my significant other being a, uh, a large Browns fan, And she was very unhappy when the Browns <laughs> took to Sean Kaiser,
0: I'm calling her a large fan. <laughs>
1: wow. Well, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, very unhappy. Will this get edited? Maybe. Who knows? Will I remember? Eh, very unhappy when the Browns uh, took to Sean Kaiser. Still alive. <laughs> In the second round of the draft. And uh my argument the whole time was that was that you know yes you you took Kaiser you took another quarterback you've had very bad luck with quarterbacks of late but if Kaiser would have gone back to school like he probably should have he would be a guy you would want picking high in the first round next year so you take him a year early you get the value he boy if i were if i were a fan of the browns as my primary Love in the NFL. I, he would scare the heck out of me and excite the heck out of me. His, no question. His physical talent is, is obvious. That guy can throw the football like nobody who has been in Cleveland for a very long time. But um, I just do not understand some of the decisions, some of the, the passes, especially the interception that TJ Watt uh, oh. picked off, was a cringeworthy throw. I honestly. So even if. Even if you suggest that Kaiser missed Watt, which he—I mean, I guess he clearly did—he's still throwing in triple coverage. So probably not where you want to go. Uh, he's got to get rid of—got <laughs> to get rid of the ball. Got to get rid of the not. football. This guy took seven sacks this week, and a lot Too of that. Too
0: athletic to do that, by the way. I—I
1: uh, I think he's—I think he's like racist black person stereotype athletic though he's, i think he's i think he's james winston athletic
0: they're both elusive enough that's not it's not a racist thing it's they're both elusive enough i think kaiser's got more athleticism than winston's got that little punch to him like i think that kaiser's much more athletic than winston um what, he does have a little I gut see. to him
1: he does have a yeah. little gut to him deshaun i don't know if you call it the fifth episode of hard knocks but uh, but Jameis bent over w- when he wasn't wearing a shirt, and it was just like the gut was hanging. It was a, it was a yeah. bad look.
0: He's always kind of had that. I know that they made a big deal about how much weight he lost and all that, but man, I yeah, whatever. I I don't. I would never call Winston a super athlete by any means. I think that Kaiser's got more of that. But more than anything, Kaiser's just got that sort of easy speed, like. Not quite Terrell, obviously not Terrell Pryor, (laughs) but he's got that stature. Like, I think they're almost the exact same height. And he just totally, to me, like, he looks like a top pick when you see him. And Mm -hmm. everything, I don't know how much work Hugh Jackson's done with him, but he looks so much more confident than what I saw of him last year at Notre Dame in terms of his self-assuredness in the pocket. And, um, you know, we we talked a lot during the draft process about how much we like the kids, Answers whether that was just a publicity thing or what I don't know, but yeah, I was I've I've been impressed with him, um, and I think that Hugh Jackson's just been going to be so good for him. But yeah, you're right, that pick was just an absolute disaster. Like, what are you looking at there, man? <laughs>
1: it was I, I have too. no idea. It was just, just a killer. Even get,
0: oh, it was a killer. I mean, for a team that man, can you imagine if they had pulled that off? First, for like survivor pools everywhere would have just gotten destroyed, but <laughs> that's true. like it it would have just been so awesome for Cleveland, and um, you know, if that that game should not have been that close, but i you have to be excited. I mean, that's the first game for a kid that's what twenty years old at yeah, quarterback.
1: I, he turned twenty one, but he's a baby. Uh yeah, when I watch this team, I just I think of five picks in the first two rounds of the draft next year, and I dream of a world where you know Deshaun Kaiser, Corey Coleman, and Saquon Barkley are playing together.
0: Oh my God, that is a thing. Yeah, or any of the Darius guys, any of those guys. There's there are plenty of talent. There's plenty of talent, and Kroll's not even that bad. Like
1: he is that bad. (laughs) He is so overrated. It's not even funny. I I hate Isaiah Kroll so much. He's fine. He can't his catch. Okay Kroll can't yeah. catch. He can't. He can He's a he can horrible, horrible North pass South. protector. Whole team, terrible pass protectors. Every single running back on yeah. this roster. That punt. The uh, the punt got blocked because of a missed mm. pick up by Matthew Days. And again, like okay, so
0: this is this remind. This is just like that Bears Falcons game where you know it didn't feel like now nah, i mean correct me if i'm wrong you probably watched every minute of it mm-hmm. or most of it but you know i look like generally the better team is the one that doesn't give up the blocked punt but generally yes. also the better team doesn't need the blocked punt as a decisive it's true. difference in a game in a win for against a terrible team so it it i'm just going to say i think the browns are a lot better this year i i mean I think the both the Browns and bears are a lot better this year and neither of them are just auto wins that you can chalk up. I mean, granted at home, you're probably going to win those games, mm. but, uh, I, I was, you know, I think that you've got to be cautiously optimistic as a Browns fan watching that.
1: Oh yeah. They're, they're headed in the right direction for sure. They still definitely need some pieces, right. Tackles an issue with Sean Coleman, uh, both, both cornerbacks are issues. Honestly, I think Jamar Taylor's wildly overrated and, uh, Devin McCourty, uh, Jason McCourty is just not good. I, I hope that they, si- I hope that they signed him, pro- you know, to be a free safety, kind of go the Devin McCourty route. Mm-hmm. But right. now that they want him to play cornerback, and uh, good luck with that. Um, I miss Tremont Williams already.
0: Oh God, that makes one um, of
1: us. <laughs> well, yeah. What are you gonna do? But they yeah, need a, run- they they need a running back. We'll-, we'll see what happens. Uh, there's. But but definitely things are looking better than they have in the past with Cleveland. Now, I believe projections, at least in this household, are a 15-1 and season for the Browns.
0: <laughs> that is slightly optimistic. But yeah, okay. well, what are you okay. hope do? springs eternal early in the season. All
1: right. The, the Arizona Cardinals, this has got to be... I mean, I guess well, maybe the, the Patriots is the, the biggest surprise of the week, but... The Cardinals, the Cardinals giving up thirty-five points and losing by twelve to the Detroit Lions, twenty-three to thirty-five. Uh, Carson Palmer did not look very good. David Johnson gets hurt and he is out for up to twelve weeks. I think is the last estimate. Mm-hmm. What did you What did you take from this game?
0: I, we do a confidence pool for. Lions and the cardinals were one point favorites they were my number fifth they were my highest point i thought that they were gonna roll the lions in detroit i thought that you know the lions defense was just gonna fold over and die and i could not have been more wrong about this i mean carson palmer looked you want to talk about someone who looked like father time caught up to them carson palmer looked awful and he looked pretty good in the preseason. He looked terrible to la- last week. Um, mm-hmm. He's got to be better than that, especially now that David Johnson's out. Um, you know, I just expected that a veteran-laden team would come out and be a lot better early in the season, and they just weren't. I mean, Carson, one of those three picks was a tip ball, but you still – the other two were just bad passes and you know again he's been around all those guys john brown jj nelson you Mm -hmm. know obviously larry fitzgerald the whole team and you've got david johnson out of the backfield for the majority of that game you got to be better and they just look terrible and and you know the on the other side i thought that matt stafford looked really really good deserving of that big contract kenny galladay looked amazing um made it just an unreal catch in the end zone diving away for, for a mid round rookie. That's pretty impressive. And, um, you know, I, I just, they, they look like a team that's going to have a lot of options. I mean, they always kind of do, but they, they look particularly dangerous. Marvin Jones barely even touched the ball and we know what he can do. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, I, I think that that, that game went the complete opposite of what I expected. And, um, I would be nervous if I was a Cardinals fan for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, this whole show, we've kind of been talking about not, not being reactionary, but I think Carson Palmer might be done. And I think we started to see it last season. This is not the Carson Palmer that he was, you know, two years ago, three years ago. This just does not look good. He, I think Carson Palmer may be done and this Arizona team is going to have a hard time these next 12 weeks without David Johnson.
0: Well, put it this way. If, if, I won't be too reactionary, but if, they, if Carson Palmer doesn't have a huge game against a decimated Colts defense this week, yeah. forget it. Like, he's done. But just stick a fork in him. And I bet that the Cardinals fans will rue the day that they, they didn't get the guy that everyone claimed they wanted, that it was Arian's boy, and that's Pat Mahomes. Because I think that he might be starting week four or week five if, uh, if he was there, if Carson has another really bad game against a really crappy defense.
1: Yeah. Is there any way that this Cardinals team turns into like one of the sneaky bad teams this year? Or are they too oh, talented no. on defense?
0: No, no question. They could do that. I, I, they are so talented on defense. You're right about that. Um, and I expect them to come back in a big way this week, but look, I, I think that at this stage without David Johnson for eight to 12 weeks, it looks like if not mm. longer, especially if they suck late in the season, like no reason to bring him back. I, there's a real chance that this team is careening towards like, a top five pick. I mean, especially if Carson Palmer is, gets hurt or if he's not what he's supposed to be, why can't they be a high pick? Like <laughs> That offense is just not going to put up points at all. We've seen how bad they can be with some of their backups. And, you know, I, I would be very concerned about that. And let's not forget, Carson Palmer's not the only old man on this roster.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they do have the steadying force of the former Brown specialist, Phil Dawson and Andy Lee.
0: <laughs> Those are two elite specialists. That's true. Andy Lee's a good.
1: But, Andy Lee's a good punter. Phil Dawson is you know he had he's, he's had he's had a very good career. Is what Brown I would say about Phil have Dawson. Some
0: weird obsession with Phil Dawson. I really uh, don't understand they, it. But. I think he
1: lost a baby when he was in Cleveland. Oh, okay. All right,
0: there well, was, well, I think I there was. Terrible.
1: I think there was some tragedy there. Yeah. They but they are absolute. They love Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson and. Look, the most overrated I've ever seen any fan base hold any player is the just godlike status Bernie Kosar has in Cleveland.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> that is you're right. That is a weird thing that they have. I'll also throw... um the Jets obsession with Joe Namath into that because Joe hmm. Namath is like the most overrated quarterback in the history of the NFL. If you look back at his numbers, he was just hmm. hilariously bad, but um, yeah, that, that Barney Cozart thing is weird, but I think it's just because he's the last quarterback they had before that infamous jersey started.
1: Yeah, I mean, the I, mean on the back. I mean, that's, that's possible, it? but, well, I mean, that was, uh, I don't know if that's true, but I, think I also don't know that. I, was... I also don't know that it's not true. <laughs>
0: I think it was what mid eighties or something, and then it just all went to
1: crap. Yeah, well, it, it went poorly. It's gone. It's gone poorly for the, the recent memory. But yeah, Kozar was a, an above average to good NFL quarterback, mm-hmm. and yeah. he is absolutely godlike in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I, not, I purchased 100%. a Bernie Kosar jersey as a gift.
0: Wow. Well, a, it sounds like you're feeding fuel in the fire here.
1: I guess you just got to do what you got to do and uh, keep people happy. <laughs> and, uh, this is this is a bad team though. Um it, you know, if if they do go, you know, top 5 bad and they're looking at the top of this draft in 2018, on one hand, Arians would have a guy to, a chance to get a guy who was very similar to Pat Mahomes in Josh Allen if Arians is still around. But at what point do we have to talk about Lamar Jackson as a, a legitimate high-level NFL prospect? All this guy does uh, is put up huge numbers and with improved accuracy this year against good teams. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, week one was Purdue, so let's well, not get crazy sure. there, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I think we got to see another season of them. That's it. But, like, you know, there have been a lot of guys that have put up huge numbers in college, and we've been smart enough to ignore them, and then they've kind of fallen by the wayside at the NFL level. And I think that the concern with Lamar Jackson, obviously, is just the, the stature, right? Like, can this guy hold up? Can Does he have the mechanics that you need at the next level? But I think that there are guys that sort of set the precedent for him if he's able to bulk up a little bit. Um, that you know, there's no that portended potentially him having success at the next level. I, I think that it's going to be a constant theme throughout the draft process um, and late in the season as well. Um, but you know, if 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 he avoids the interceptions and he continues to run and throw with the production that he's shown so far in his career at Louisville, like mm-hmm. I think that it, we'd be foolish not to think, hey, you know, this guy needs to get a look because. He's just got too much of a knack for the game. And I think that that's something that people sort of ignore too often, especially at the personnel level. Like, let's not ignore this guy. Meanwhile, we'll make all kinds of exceptions for a big, strong-armed guy like Mitch Trubisky, who's only had one year and wasn't astounding in terms of his production. You know, I think that, that we these guys do fall by the wayside too often. But if he's that good, you know, he'll get a look. He has to.
1: Well, I think what you just said is interesting because one of the the common threads of, that go along with the type of quarterback Lamar Jackson is is questions about arm strength. I don't mm-hmm. see that here. I, I don't either. I I, I, I watch this guy scramble around in the pocket, step up and throw a dart seventy yards down the field. There, I do not have question one to the point where I think arm strength is a. a, a positive, if not a significant positive for Jackson.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not sure I would go that far, but I, I definitely think that he's got the ability, the mobility. And I think that his command of the game and let's just say it, his poise is really impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wins. All he does is just, everything seems to slow down for him. Um, you know, you just gotta, I, I just need to see more because I think that right now the sample is just a little too small but I think that uh, he's definitely trending in the right direction this season, and he'll have plenty of chances to to improve that stock over the year. All
1: right, fair enough. We're not going to have time to talk about every game, but we do want to jump around a little bit, and I want to talk about the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles 30-17 to trouncing that. of the Washington Redskins. But I think the most interesting Eagles story is this John Doran boss trade. This is... <laughs> Well, no, you know, you, I, oh I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this right,
0: is yeah.
1: this is absolutely crazy. So, John Dorenbos gets traded. Long, long time, very, very, very good long snapper. But you know, long snappers mm-hmm. are replaceable. Who cares? The, literally, the guy who we have right now is a guy named Rick Lovato, who was working at his father's sandwich shop when we signed him as a free agent last year. So yep. that that's long snappers for you. Um, he comes in, he takes the place of Dorenbos, wins a spot. Dorenbos gets traded to the Saints. It was one of those Dorenbos and a seven for a sixth round pick kind of trades that are sort of in vogue in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And during the, the routine physical that the Saints give John Dorenbos, they find an, aor- an aortic aneurysm. And this is, there's a real argument to be made that getting traded to the Saints saved John Dorenbos' life. Because mm-hmm. this is not something that would have been found on, a you know, your, your standard entry, beginning of the season, physical. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't have been found until it was a problem. And the moment it becomes a problem, it can be lethal.
0: Yeah, it's actually a really cool story. I, I Sorry, I forgot about what it was. It's, it's awesome that the Saints doctors were able to, to notice it, obviously, and call it out. And, and hopefully they'll... Save his life. I mean, it's not, not hopefully. I mean, it's the fact yeah. that they've detected it this early is just awesome. So, very cool little story in, in like a really random trade, right? Yeah. Like, I don't see it's just really random. So, very, very cool and uh, good for Dornboss, obviously, and good for the Saints to to get him right.
1: Well, and he is. I believe that trade has been nullified. So John Dorian is technically a Philadelphia Eagle again, but. Uh, probably never right. gonna play foot. Probably never plays football again at this point. I mean, open heart okay. surgery from a 36 year old. You probably don't have a long career ahead of you.
0: <laughs> right, but he's got magic to fall back on,
1: and he's alive.
0: Yeah, and long snappers tend to find random work. In, that's true. Like especially lung veteran snappers. So that's good. Just a very cool random story there.
1: Yeah, I mean, after the success that he had on America's Got Talent a couple of years ago, and his sort of, sort of uh, rise in the magic world, which sounds like a weird thing to say on a football podcast, <laughs> I, I wonder, I wonder if you even risk playing football again. Like, you know, you have a, you have a good second career ahead of you. Let's just you you did well. Let's call it a day, Johnny.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. What do you think? it's
1: a tough call. It it's a very tough call, but
0: uh
1: would have loved to have Durham Boston in the lineup. However, he was not necessary for the Eagles to win 30 to 17, like I said. Man, Carson <laughs> Carson that guy he oh, I I have trouble putting into words how I feel about Carson Wentz. Like he is still a very young quarterback and you you know that this is a guy who was playing at North Dakota a year and a half ago, but Oh, boy, does he do some things that are incredible. Like his ability <sighs> to keep plays alive is it, – it's very remi- – rem- oh, it, 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 it's, it's Ben roethlisberger and I don't want to – I hate to use any Ben Roethlisberger comparison as a positive, but – especially in, <laughs> in my household, but it is very oh, roethlisberger yeah. This guy – like you just think Carson gets sacked and you think he's gonna take a ten yard loss and then he somehow gets away, steps up and he throws a fifty eight yard touchdown to Nelson Aguilar.
0: Yeah, and especially right now he doesn't seem to have a lot of weapons around him, so any positive production you have to be really excited about. And you know, you what you wanna see this year obviously is that leap, you know, mm. especially coming from North Dakota State to uh to the pros last year he was he obviously was well beyond what you'd expect him to be at but now you know he's been in the league for a year and and an off season two off seasons i guess and so you'd like to see him make that next step so i think that that's that's what you're hoping for you want to see that game slow down for him since it was i assume so much faster going from the level of competition he was facing to to the pros and, you know, if he's already making people around him better and showing that kind of elusiveness and mm. strength in the pocket, then, you know, that's that's obviously all you're hoping for right now out of him. Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome stuff.
1: So the most important thing for me to come from this game, and it seems weird that it's not going to be the win, but when I watched that Ronald Darby injury, I thought, oh, well, his season's over. His foot mm-hmm. was... Bent the wrong way and and staying in place the wrong way, Ugh, So, yeah. the fact that he's only going to miss four to six weeks is a minor miracle to me. And that <laughs> is, even if we lost and you told me that Darby was only out six weeks, like I'm okay with last week. That's fine. The fact that we managed to win and the defense looked really good, especially that the front seven is mm-hmm. uh, is all the better. Um, so. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans, aren't you? And uh, let's only talk about this in in the sense of what happened at the quarterback position. Tom Savage <coughs> benched quickly, aren't you?
0: <laughs> That's as quick of a hook as I've seen, you know, maybe ever. I mean, yeah. there was just no leeway on that rope. So uh, Deshaun Watson comes in, looks. I thought he looked pretty good. He definitely looked more capable than Savage obviously makes a really terrible interception, but, um, overall I thought he looked okay. And, uh, you know, I would expect him to start assuming he's healthy. He got banged up there late, didn't he?
1: He did, but he took uh first team reps today in practice.
0: Okay. So they play Thursday against Cincinnati, not a super fun first game, but, um, first start, I should say, but that's, uh, I would think that he's going to be the one playing. He had an eye for DeAndre Hopkins, which seems like a smart move.
2: Yeah. And
0: um, yeah, look, I thought that they, look, they're not winning championships with Tom Savage at quarterback. They may do it with Watson. Maybe not this year, but at some point, there's no point in wasting time on Savage. Like it's, it's go time for Watson. We all, uh, we all liked him coming out of college, and um, I think that it's it just makes sense. So I, the only question I have is why he wasn't starting in the first place. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you kind of want to give these guys a chance to grow into their roles. But my question is, who's going to be playing tight end for the Texans next week? All three Houston Texans tight ends got concussions this week. It,
0: oh, wow. Could be J.J. Watt. He's, made <laughs> a career of a couple. He's got a couple touchdowns here and there. Uh, but Could no, be. I... I don't know. Uh, they could use it for a rookie, you know, quarterback. I would think that, uh, you know, he could use a tight end, uh, like a safety valve to toss to. So, um, you know, they, it's not – they've got a pretty good receiving core. They've got a couple good running backs there. And, um, you know, I, I, again, this is a defense that did not look great in week one in Cincinnati. So there there will be opportunities, although they bring back uh, Pac-Man Jones at least. Here in week one and or week two. And that being said, I just, you know, throw throw them in there. See what happens.
1: Well, talking about a defense that didn't look good, this Houston Texans defense, which we thought was going to be a strength, looked terrible. You know, that vaunted defensive end combo of Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt combined for one tackle apiece. So that was uh, that was pretty solid. You get two tackles, no sacks did leave
0: the game for a while. Right but you know
1: the best of uh, you know the old uh the old cliche the best of uh, the best ability is availability and uh JJ yeah. J. Watt it's is true. not available very frequently as of late is this do we think this defense was overrated is this, do they take a step back or do they sort of find Ooh. their footing
0: oh man i mean it's it's a bad look to do that against the jaguars that's for yeah. sure but uh you know i i still think they you got to expect some regression back to the mean for them like they're just too good Watt's too good Clowney's too good Pushing's too good they'll they'll be back um but i you know yeah uh, defenses get weird though like year to year there's a reason why you don't draft defenses early in fantasy they mm. they tend to be a little bit sickle and um you know there there are ways to game plan around them so it's possible that we that we've overrated the group as a whole i don't think we've overrated watt or Clowney, but it is something
1: to think about. Uh, all right, Cleveland Indians up two nothing, top seventh for uh, those keeping track at home, which makes very little sense because if you're listening to it, this game ended a long time ago.
0: Well, unless it's like a 25 inning game.
1: That's true. That, needs that
0: to for the next day. You never the,
1: well, that the Dodgers game started a uh, started at like 1:30 in the morning, East Coast time, the other night. So that's uh, that's uh, that's, uh, that's always fun. You know, you like to have baseball games over at around 3.30 in the morning in the East Coast.
0: No question. That's that's uh, the perfect time.
1: <laughs> just a couple more things real quick before we go. Uh, did you get to listen to any of the Oakland Raiders game?
0: Listen to it.
1: Yeah, that's why I ta- I say listen to you because uh, my interest in this game was based solely on it being Tony Romo's first day in the booth. Oh,
0: I did see the uh, the set of clips of Romo picking every single play before it happened, or yes. not every, but obviously a bunch of them. Very cool. He's going to be so good at that.
1: Yeah, I am. Uh, I haven't got a chance to listen. I haven't, again, listened to it, but really I I will be listening to it, but watch it yet. I will go back to it and get uh, get into it at some point in the next couple of days, but I'm really looking forward to it. He, by all accounts, Romo was just A++ in his debut. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, it was just great because, like, and, for example, I watched the Chargers-Broncos game last night, and Rex Ryan's on the call, Mm. and you're just not getting anything from him. Like, you're not, like, I thought that, I think it's so cool when you've got these guys that were, you know, instrumental in the game recently, and you could, you know, you know that they know a lot of what's going on, you know that they could game plan for the game. And I just, it's such a shame when they don't give you anything. And Romo gave you everything. I mean, yeah. or he teased you with a lot of stuff. And it was just so cool to see, to see him say like, Oh, I'm going the kill, you know, Derek Carter's yelling, kill, kill, kill. And he, he's saying, all right, that's a check to a run to the left. So it's not just, yeah, obviously it's them killing the pass, but the fact that he could call the direction of where it was going was just so awesome. And, and he did that several times with plays like that. Um, and he, he just like his disposition, I'm just a big Romo guy. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I could see it coming off as kind of cocky if you don't like him, but I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, I hope that that just comes out more and more over the season as he gets more comfortable and it comes out in, you know, in ways that aren't just like related to calls at the line. I mean, there, there's Mm -hmm. so much that goes into playing quarterback now and, I just think it would be so. It, I think that the potential there is super high, and it's been a while since the since the CBS group has had that kind of look.
1: Yeah. Well, elsewhere in the NFL, as we all predicted, the the dominant offense that is the Los Angeles Rams led the NFL in scoring, dropping forty six points on the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, I Ooh. think it's fair to say we all saw this one coming, huh? Aren't you? <laughs>
0: I mean, I think you could have probably seen the fact that the Rams would score a touchdown or two uh, on defense coming against Scott Tolzien, former oh. Badger great, but, um, yeah, they, ooh, boy, that Colts thing, yikes, what is Andrew Luck coming back to there? That is a disaster. Um, yeah, but the, really, the really,
1: look, really bad.
0: Yeah, really, like, like honestly, I felt kind of bad for, uh, for Scott Tolzien, like, it got to the well, let's just
1: come, for- Scott Tolzien is lucky to have a job.
0: We're not. I don't feel bad for Scott Tolzien. He was solid for the Packers. He won them some games, but no, you're right. Um, <laughs> no, <I can't. laughs> you're definitely right. Uh, they are. They're a disaster. I think the more interesting thing is what you were going with there. I think, which is the new Sean McVay offense yeah. uh, for the Rams, which now has Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup and. Jared Goff doesn't look like the worst quarterback in the league. And, um, you know, they've gotten – it looks like Todd Gurley is reinvigorated. So – and some some new offensive linemen as well. I think that that's a team that, I, I you know, I, they're not ready to compete yet for sure in my world. But Sean McVay looks good. Like, they, they look like they were a capable team. And, again, this is the Colts. So, take it with a grain of salt. We'll see yeah. what happens over the next few weeks. But they at least don't look like the no questions asked one of the worst offenses in football anymore.
1: Well, you're right. Gurley looked a lot better catching the ball, but are we at all concerned about, you know, 19 carries for 40 yards for Gurley on the ground?
0: Yeah. I think you have to be a little concerned, but you know, if you're the Colts, you have to go into that game thinking, we have to stop Todd Gurley at all costs. Let Jared Goff beat us. And, um, again, like that's what most teams will do until they stretch it out after four or five games, then maybe, maybe you'll start to see less, you know, seven, eight man boxes. But I I still think that that's a team that, um that, that where Todd Gurley over the course of the season can get better and better and over the course of the game can get better and better when it's not out of hand like that. Like this is a guy that by the 18th, 19th, 20th carry is generally going to be the, those are going to be the ones that bury you. So, um, it, it'll be, I, I really like him. I think that, that this T, I think he's primed for a bounce back year. I just think he's too talented not to. And um, I don't expect a ton of games to have this kind of game script for the Rams, obviously. Yeah. But uh, it's cool to see them not be just a complete waste of space on offense. All
1: right. Well, is there anything else that we didn't cover that is worth talking about?
0: Well, I just, you know, I thought that the, last night, the Sam Bradford was... I know. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought that he looked good, though. Um, He did. I think that they, man, I just did not see that coming. And, uh, well, I don't think that that's sustainable, obviously, certainly not those numbers. But, boy, a week when Sam Bradford and Alex Smith both looked pretty darn good, that's uh, not something that happens very frequently over the last six years. So it was cool to see two just total journeyman types come back and have those kind of explosive games, if not for long-term, at least for one week.
1: Yeah, two, uh, two journeyman number one overall pick types. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good point. <laughs> they do have that in common. Their careers have sort of taken similar turns along the yeah. way, haven't they? They they like, have. Like their it, images.
1: It, uh, it kills me to see Dalvin Cook go for 127 on 22 carries because you know how desperately I wanted this guy in green.
0: I know. I know. Kills I'd burn me. that to you.
1: Do we think, uh, think Thalene's for real? Nine catches for 157 on 10 targets?
0: Adam, D- is it Dealing? I think it's I Dillon. It th- um, no, sure. That shows whatever.
1: how... That, that really speaks to what I'm saying.
0: He actually had a good finish to last year. And, you know, when Diggs was out, which he, he often was or banged yeah. up, he actually picked up the slack for them quite a bit. I think that he's... You know, not to be a total reverse racist here, but he's definitely like that (laughs) gadgety white, you know, (laughs) like like he's going to get you like a lot of the easy catches, which you need for Sam Bradford for sure. But he he helps open things up a little bit for digs, I think. And, you know, they've got they've actually got quite a bit of talent on offense now for the first time since I can remember where they've got. You know, now they've got Cook and Latavius Murray they added. They have mm. uh, healthy Diggs and Lacan Leclu- Leclu- Treadwell. Stop. Don't, don't
1: even say his name.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Treadwell, Treadwell did match his production in terms of total catches from last season with his one catch in the yes. debut.
0: And he, yeah, he might be a bust, but yeah. at least he's out there. Um, you know, I, think, they, I,
1: mean, I, I think they wish he was Nelson Aguilar. <laughs>
0: Hey, Nelson Aguilar looks pretty good last night. Didn't yeah, he? not that freak, not, didn't
1: he? not counting my chickens before they're hatched there.
0: How about Zach Ertz? Can we well, talk Zach, Zach Ertz is always... Zach Ertz,
1: he has these stretches where he just puts up huge numbers. The thing about but, Ertz is he he's just not complete. He's not much of a run blocker.
0: Yeah. Do you think that prevents him from getting as much playing time or looks as he otherwise would or I just feel like he's Wentz's guy at this point like I think that there's enough of a sample now that Wentz is going to him when he's out there and that's been he I mean you don't just he keeps catching he just catches six balls every game with Wentz It's, it's an awesome thing for tight end lookers out there in the fantasy community
1: Yeah, no, I think Ertz is going to have a big season. I think one of the things that does hurt him, aside from the being able to run, is that they they do like Trey Burton quite a bit, too. So Burton takes Mm. uh, some of Zach Ertz's snaps, and you have to get Selick on the field once in a while. But, you know, he's going to have a big season. He is definitely Ertz's guy, Wentz's guy, now that Jordan Matthews is gone, and will be You know, up until we see whether or not a rapport develops between Wentz and uh, Alshon Jeffrey.
0: Yeah, didn't seem to be there in week one, but I I would expect that to slowly happen over the course of the year. So, um, especially you know he's so young, like it, it's gonna happen. He's and Jeffrey's just too big and talented of a of a target to not yeah. pass the ball to.
1: Oh yeah, so. when uh, we we went for two largely because Caleb Sturgis hurt himself on the first play of the game. Despite making three field goals after that, uh, we went for two, and. Wentz just threw this ball up to, to Jeffrey that it's just, it was, the ball was enveloped by his hands. Like that guy's hands are so big and strong. It's crazy. It
0: is. He, um, I've seen a lot of it here in Chicago where Cutler, you know, just developed such a great rapport with him, especially in the red zone, especially in the end zone. And, you know, he would just straight up throw, toss it up to him and you're right with those big gloves, those big white gloves. he, it just felt like he would catch everything coming his way, especially on those jump balls, kinda of like Des Bryant. And uh, yeah, like he's he's a super talented guy. He's just gotta stay in shape and stay healthy, which are two huge ifs.
1: Yeah, I went back to that that famous Sports Illustrated cover from uh, from All when he was in South Carolina, and he is wearing basically a belly shirt, kind of like an Ezekiel Elliott shirt, and he's just got mm. the gut the gut flowing.
0: <laughs> they put that on the
1: cover. Yeah, I'll send you the picture. It's it's rough. It is not a good f- not a good show for uh, for one Alshon Jeffrey. But better shape now. He's a he's not a young man anymore. He is taking his nutrition in more seriously. I imagine. I don't really. How does know. he look? I, I, didn't I he him. looked good. You know, there was no real. I mean, we scored scored thirty points, but that part of that was the Fletcher Cox touchdown, which I, mm. if I can get every week, I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, he he looked good. Nobody, there wasn't a lot of rhythm on offense. The the Aguilar long touchdown, which everybody talks about, was kind of a fluke play. Great play, but a fluke. Mm. Um, Ertz was really like you said. Ertz and Wentz looked like they had played together before. Other than that, not so much with anybody else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, again, that'll come. More more once time will be good too for everybody for on that team. But what, what are your feelings on the Eagles overall? Like, what, what's the
1: hope? I think the defense is going to be great. I think this I think this front seven is going to get a lot of pressure on uh, on opposing offenses. The you know you bring in Timmy Jern again. He had a sack and one and a half tackles for a loss. Brandon Graham. Like what we have seen in Philadelphia over the last couple of years, finally translated to to the stat sheet because brandon graham only had five and a half sacks last year but he i think he was either led the nfl in pressures or was second to the nfl in pressures you know three and a half tackles for a loss two sacks while playing against a good offensive tackle uh you know fletcher cox is fletcher cox that guy is just one of the best defensive linemen in football and uh, you have barnett and vinnie curry on the other side are going to bring pressure in the middle. I, I can't say enough about Jordan Hicks. A guy is just I hated the pick when it happened, which frustrates me a little he's up, bit. So, oh, but yeah. he is awesome. He, that he is that is a great awesome. that is a great inside linebacker. And Jalen Mills has taken a little bit of a step up this year to the point where I, I'm only like really scared instead of terrified when he's guarding the other team's number one receiver. But nine tackles I think last week. Uh he looks like he could turn into a solid number two but that my concern with this team is we have a lot of guys who are number twos. They really miss that shutdown number one corner. Who I I mean I guess a lot of teams miss that guy. But in uh, in Darby, in potentially Sydney Jones and potentially Jalen Mills, you have a lot of Sydney. number twos. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I think Sydney could be a number one. I really do. I mean, it depends how he comes back from that right. brutal injury. But
1: that's my concern. And Patrick Robinson is a good number five.
0: Yep. God, no, yeah. that's I mean, garbage good number
1: five <laughs> just garbage, yeah Michael well. Kendricks did not live up to his preseason mVP status, but you know still played reasonably well. The thing is, I don't think Jim Schwartz knows how to use Michael Kendricks mm. for for whatever reason it's just there's a it's a player coach kind of bad fit deal there he's this is a, a guy who would be a valuable player on a lot of other teams. But we don't really let our linebackers blitz as much as would benefit Kendricks and his athleticism. But you know, I'm I'm happy with this team. Barnett Barnett looked good. There's there's a really a, just an absolutely crazy clip of Derek Barnett like basically limboing under the under the arms of Trent Williams. How low this guy can get! I have never seen a defensive lineman be able to get so low and turn the corner rushing the passer. It is. It's fun to watch. He is going to be a very, very good football player. And again, I, I wasn't thrilled with the pick.
0: Right. I mean, look, that's that's the opposite side of the like lack of size thing, right, is is the amount of leverage you're able to get on that line, especially as a pass rusher. That's exciting. I think that I, I wasn't high on him either. I, I just – but he's been – it's good to hear. I mean, he's he's so young too. That's the mm. thing. So he, he's he's only going to get better and better.
1: It's going to be fun. One of the really underrated pickups over the last couple of years for us was the Nigel Bradham pickup, uh, bringing him in mm. from Buffalo a couple of years ago. Not a guy I really thought too highly of when we signed him, but he's really been a stabilizing force at linebacker. You you still need, an, you, you can use another impact outside linebacker. You definitely need another corner, but short of that, like I am very, very happy with where this defense is. And thank God because you know we have a first round pick and then I believe a fourth round pick, so we are not looted in the draft this year.
0: No, but you know it's nice to uh, to convert mm-hmm. some of those. I mean, you're, we're not talking about busts, which is good. It is so, no Danny Watkins man. talk. Right? Oh God! Let's not go down that road. Oh. That was not fun. All right,
1: prediction. I'm gonna. You asked me prediction. Reasonable prediction. Uh, nine and seven is, I think, reasonable for the Eagles this year. What's reasonable for your Green Bay Packers? Nine
0: and seven. That's odd. Well, I mean. I think they lose this week at Atlanta. It's just a tough the cards are against you opening up that stadium, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, I'm really encouraged with the defense week one, given all the, uh, all the stuff that I said. <laughs> um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that 11 and five, 12 and four is about what you expect out of an Aaron Rodgers team. And if you win lost them, that's generally probably a little bit of a disappointment. Um, but yeah. I think that that's kind of what you expect, but with, if, a, if this is how the Vikings are going to be and the Lions are going to be on offense, it's going to be a, a really tough season, I think. Like, it's going to be a lot harder to win double-digit games in this division than I expected.
1: Tough season for you, fun to watch for the rest of us. And uh, for the record, the Cleveland Indians are up 2 to nothing on the Detroit Tigers in the top of the eighth inning, going strong for number 20. This, uh, Kluber's has been, still on the bump. The, yeah, Kluber, that guy, I watched him get uh, like 14 strikeouts in person a couple of years ago, and they saw Young season. That guy is, wow. uh, is pretty good and just came out of nowhere.
0: He's a robot. He's so good. He is unbelievably good and still somehow underrated by the rest of the world.
1: You, you sir, are correct. That has been the underdog for this week. I'm Chris Fordell. He's on Shakana. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back here next week.
2: See you then.